Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat. It is your number one source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. Sitting right next to me, Andy, is Jenny. Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest, it's Megan. Hello. Hello. Uh, hello to any new uh, listeners we might have uh, retained after the big simulcast with uh, Alan Forel's Pro Rest Paradise uh that we uh recorded uh gosh sunday sunday it was sunday morning before the before the football started and uh i what a what a great time i had with uh with alan and and uh justin and uh i i just uh i really appreciate the uh the time and the platform so uh anyway uh i listened and i really enjoyed it thought it was a really entertaining podcast and i liked the format how it was mostly like questions and I told Andy, I was like, maybe we should add a question into our podcast. Uh oh. Copying. Know. Not not just one. Just one question. <laughs> but I um I have something really important to say to Alan. Okay. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero is no Andre the Giant. Okay. No Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant was in The Princess Bride. I was that wondering which global, direction this was going to go. Global fame. That is iconic movie. You've got all of the kids from the 90s growing up, loving that movie. Hey, Spread. Everyone knows who Andre the Giant is. Most people who did not watch wrestling in the 90s do not know who Eddie Guerrero is. And also... Andre the Giant's a giant. He's a giant. He's like seven foot tall. Like actually seven foot tall he was. And so kind. Like a big teddy bear. And he fights in The Princess Bride. So you get to see his wrestling skills there too. I mean, he doesn't win. But he tries. So. Okay. That was a really impassioned speech you had there. Yeah. I mean, I will, I will, in Alan's defense, I think he was limiting it to um, wrestling fans. Mm, I just, I mean, Andre the Giant's global. I will not argue with you. <laughs> I didn't realize you were like the head of his fan club. <laughs> she watched that documentary and she got all. I did. Uh, well, but I, I mean, I, I saw The Princess Bride as a child yeah. and I was hooked. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's, let's do it, guys. Elite Beat Pop of the Week. <laughs> I've got a uh, lime LaCroix. Oh, back to LaCroix. Yeah. Uh, you know, the spindrifts were getting to be a little too powerful in taste. Needed to water it down a little. What a weird backhanded compliment to LaCroix. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got a box of wine. Slap that bag. All right. <laughs> Let's get into it. It's uh, a lot of recaps this week because we only did one bonus episode of the show instead of the two that we thought about. Uh, so we've got to talk about Rampage and Battle of the Belts from uh, October 7th. Megan, did you get a chance to watch both of these programs? I got a chance to watch Rampage. I did not get a chance to watch Battle of the Belts. Oh, I... your, streak is, your streak is broken. Well, you know what, Megan? I watched Battle of the Belts. Okay, good. Somebody well, can got it covered. 
between the two of us. I am. I'm sad about the podcaster. Sad about the streak. A little bit. Um, I mean, it was only a streak of three, so. That's you could you could probably you could probably like you know top it by the end of next year realistically. Wait, did I watch Battle of the Belts? You watched one of those shows. I watched one of them. Let's let's find out which one you watched. <laughs> okay. what sounds familiar. Uh, we start with Rampage, and uh, we are uh, live in Washington D.C. It's the it's the third year anniversary edition of AEW Rampage, and we've got John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta versus Roosh. And private party. And apparently the move that Wheeler Yuta put Mark Quinn in for the finish, according to William Regal, is called a bicep slicer. Ew, I don't like the sound of that. Yeah. I've it's heard not like scissor? No. No. Not not like daddy ass, no. No. But anyway, uh so we beat him with a bicep slicer. At least that's what William Regal said. I've I've heard to the contrary from some uh, jujitsu people uh, in the days following. But you know, whatever. Uh, what What do they say it is? I forget the term they use. But oh. They say that that is not a bicep slicer. They're 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 not denying the existence of a bicep slicer. They're mm-hmm. saying that's not it. Oh. Huh. So anyway, uh, yeah. This was. I mean, this was fun. This was like this was fun. This is what you want it to be. This was. There was no doubt at any second of the, you know, 10 minutes that it lasted who was going to win. But uh, it worked as a showcase for uh, the Blackpool Combat Club. And Moxley got to hang out with his friends. He did, yeah. I loved that article that you sent us about Moxley and how happy he seems Uh um, with his five-year extension. And um, just seems like coming back from rehab, he's in such a wonderful headspace and seems really happy and feels supported at AEW. And he said that I get to go and hang out with my friends, the Black Bull Combat Club. And I had, I had always thought he was a bit of a loner there. I always felt a little bad that, like, maybe he didn't have a lot of friends in the back. I mean, and he's got friends. They love violence. He loves violence. It's a match made in heaven. Five years in ex- as an extension. I was both happy and like, wow, that's a lot. But great, great all around for him. Um, I was really happy. I did also enjoy, as part of this match, getting to see Claudio muscle up both men of private party. It took him a second. He he tilted a little yeah. bit. But he was able to get it together and, like, respect, because those are two full-grown men that he, yeah. he picked up and swung around. But, I mean, TJ would have been so proud. Somewhere TJ I'm was sure, watching. I'm sure TJ was watching and just be like, oh, that's my boy. You know, he can spin around two grown men just, like, you know, playing around in the gym. Yep. Claudio can pump, like, 250. Or whatever the hell. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a box, uh, you know, something that uh, I don't know if anybody's noted this, but at the end of his five-year extension, he will still only be 41 years old. What? So. My God. Moxley's younger than us. Um, yeah. Megan, that can't be real. Mathematically, it would appear so. <laughs> I don't he's love like, it. <laughs> he's like four, about four months younger than Megan. Oh, that, oh okay. I, can, I can live with that. Okay. Yeah. Which means at the end of his contract, Megan, you'll only be 42 years old. Ugh, that's weird. <laughs> Guys, I'm not... 
I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready. I'd like. You're not ready for 40. You know, I, I, I'm. <laughs> it sounds so far away, but when you put it in those terms, it's like, uh. You know when 40s come and calling for me, Jenny. I know in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Less than three months. I know. It's like, like we have to be like. You'll be married. You'll adults? be married to a 40 year old man. Are you gonna lie about his age to people? Like, you know, weird like people. Like about my height to people. I just round up. <laughs> From how much? Half. Half an inch. Six and a half feet. I nope. say, well, nope. six feet. Whoa, are you a basketball player? <laughs> so I round a six one. That's that's correct mathematical rounding. <laughs> At point okay. five, it rounds to one. We're all older and shorter than we say, apparently. I don't say. I say I'm six feet tall. But you're six one. That's the proper rounding. That's fine. I, I always have you to stick up for me. All right. Next up, we got the Varsity Blondes. Remember them? Uh, versus no. Tony Neese and Josh the Goods Woods. And it seems like they're maybe actually a little bit behind the Neese and Woods team because they they crushed the Varsity Blondes. I mean, when you add Woods to the mix, I think it, it's more compelling than just. Tony Nice and Mark Sterling. So I guess like I can see that, but they still like they still only beat the blondes. No offense, the blondes, but I know, but they beat the blondes on rampage. Like, like they put them on television to do this. This wasn't on like dark elevation, you know? Yeah, but it's still the blondes. Well, I don't care. I'm just I'm all I'm saying is they're giving they're giving television time to this very undercard tag team. And they seem to be, you know, I mean, the, this is how the acclaim started. Yeah. Well, because they do come they make an appearance on Dynamite as well. Not Josh Woods, but, you know, that's creeping on to the main show. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so they, they smash them uh, real good. And uh, let's see. Uh, Mark Sterling um, proves to be a copyright troll as he uh, says that he has trademarked varsity for use in wrestling. And his team is now the varsity athletes, and the blondes are no longer allowed to use the term. Um, <laughs> Sterling, that seems like a little too broad of a word to to copyright, but okay. Um, yeah, but if you narrow the the use case for just pro wrestling, it's it's I think that's pretty viable, actually. Okay. I guess, you know what? He did it. He's the legal uh, expert here. And uh, right. varsity athletes, how do you feel about that name for the team? I mean, not good. Like, no. <laughs> okay, good. Same. I was like, are they going to start wearing the jackets? Because as far as varsity goes, that's the only thing that comes to mind. Um, I think it's like a cheerleading move, too, of varsity. Oh, I don't think so. I think it is. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'd have to watch Bring there's It a On herky. again. A what? I think there's a herky. Don't they talk about that on Bring It On? I can't recall, but that is the source, main source of knowledge for cheerleading. Could, like, obviously, one leg, like one knee bent in and the other one out while you're jumping. That's a herky. The herky. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't know. They didn't have Julia Hart doing stuff like that. They weren't throwing her up in the air and catching her. Not that the dudes couldn't do it, but harder to catch. <laughs> so uh, this brings out the acclaimed. 
which, you know, of course makes sense because we get the reverse of this on dynamite. Yes. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. They came out and they scissored and Max did a, mm-hmm. did a rap. I wonder if they're going to, I wonder if he's going to have to do two raps a week for as long as they're doing separate tapings, because it seems like they want to try, they're trying to get the acclaimed on almost every show now. Yeah. I, hey. I, you know, I think that makes sense. They're so hot right now. Mm-hmm. We're like, Brendan Benson's real hot this week. It's true. <laughs> And Max Caster, I think his raps are getting even better. Like uh, when they first started, I thought they were a little rough. Lately, I feel like he's got he's got it going. I don't know. He he like hit a point where I I'm into it. Megan, I asked Andy this question earlier this week. I'll ask you the same. Do you think it's a lot of pressure for him to have to come up with two raps a week? Such short raps, nah. All right, that was Andy's thought too. Is that he's a professional rapper? Yeah. You just like you just like flip through like Variety or something, right? Or ES, or ESPN.com, see what see what people are talking about, and then you yeah. come up with a rhyme based on it. And the also, idea of coming up with a rhyme like stress, like even like never having to do it, no, like like I I wouldn't <laughs> be able to do it. Well, I think you could do it. If I could he, do it, you can do it. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, he's just touching on pop culture, and he throws in like maybe one line or two about like a whatever locality they're in, like a sports team or like a specific athlete. It seems like he's got the formula. He just has to put it together in a rhyming way, and he has plenty of foresight. It's not like he doesn't know when he's going to be on TV. I guess that's true. I don't know. It just seems very. Um, I'm in awe. No, I mean his talent is is. Yes, I would not be able to go on national television and rap, but uh, I think for him and his experience level, this seems like a pretty low ask. For <laughs> I, so, I hope someone, I hope someone asks that of you someday. To go on national television, and rap. Yeah, I hope, that, I hope that for some reason you're you're put in that position in your lifetime. I'm terrified. I've spoken it out into the universe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I'll get to that point, but if I do, I'll think of you and I'll be angry that you did this to me. Well, I accept that. Uh, backstage we go. Uh, Eddie Kingston, he's uh, kind of fake apologizes for uh, getting disqualified in his match against Sammy Guevara a couple weeks ago. And then he gets mad that uh, he only gets like 30 seconds and Max uh, gets to talk for as long. Not, not Max Kasser, but Max Friedman gets to talk for as long as he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh then to the ring we go again for Sky Blue and Madison Rain versus Ty Mello and Anna J. Bad yeah. match. Uh, <laughs> it's like you you hear the hesitation right before you speak, and you're like, mm, oh. bad match. Did not like. Um, and supposedly from last, you know, from the Dynamite, you know, talk off. Sky Blue and Madison Rain are supposed to be have the wrestle skills. Yeah. Yeah, didn't see a lot of that on display. Um, I, I, I just think this Madison Rain thing's not really working so far. I, it's, I know it's like it's not like they've like pushed it hard, but the idea that she's some like, like you know, veteran like like great worker who's going to come in and teach these women, it's like it's not, it's not coming across that way on television anytime she's had an opportunity. I'm really starting to wonder like. It, I'm look you don't have to to 
be the best at something to teach it. You just have to know how to do it. Um, do you think she's a better coach than you might surmise from what we've seen on TV thus far? Like, I've never seen her wrestle in Impact, but I know she had a long career there, right? Like, she, yeah, she she was part she was part of a very like successful act there, but she wasn't like I don't know that I would say that she was the worker of her stable there either. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, she might very well be a good uh, a good coach though. I hope so. I mean, that's what they hired her for, right? Yeah. They say those who can't do teach, but in my in my experience, that's not always the case. Yeah. I I don't know. Like normally, like if someone's like good at something and good enough to teach it, like I they so should... there's there's an anecdote that Brian Alvarez likes to tell a lot, and I'll just I'll just briefly tell it here. He uh i think i think it was uh buddy rose who was like a great um a great wrestler from like the portland territory and he was a big star in the 80s so he had a wrestling school and and one day brian was there just kind of sitting in because he's from the same area and they've got to like a question and answer session and he asked him to kind of explain ring psychology and buddy had absolutely no answer it was just like it was just like he knew how to do it like instinctively, but he could not explain it to you. So it's like so maybe there's a, a place a point where if somebody's really good at something that like they can do it because they know they just know how to do it like they were born knowing how to do it, but they couldn't actually like teach another person to do it. So that makes sense like. I can call to mind people who I feel like have that quality. Mm-hmm. I think it's bad though if it's if they hired her to coach. And yeah. also she's not showing her skills in the ring. So yeah. what is ha- where Well no, but like we don't we don't have any idea if she's a good coach or not. That's true. That's true. We don't, I hope we don't have is. evidence to the contrary. Yeah, I, I hope I she think is good teachers and leaders should lead and teach by example. Okay, like Listen, I'm I'm not in fear of the show getting that big, but I I do worry sometimes that that we could get big enough that like I could Madison find Rain myself like getting yelled at on Twitter by Madison Rain because of something you said. Oh wow. I'm not on Twitter, so I'm I know. safe. Oh no, he's, I know. He's the gatekeeper. I'm not saying Matt look, Madison Rain, if you ever listen to this, if you ever catch wind, I'm not trying to insult you. I am just like I'm wondering if it's it's like like Daniel Ricardo is the car are you not connecting with the car is there something about this company that that is throwing you off like is it an environmental switch because either they're mishandling her or she's something's not connecting in a way I expected it to and it's weird that they keep pushing her as if it is what was you know? Daniel Ricardo's excuse at Alpine then the car <laughs> just <sighs> Go with it. The this second the, team. This is the only analogy I can. Come I up with. think what happened to Danny Ricardo is he got Netflix famous and a buck ton of money from his new contract, and uh, he lost his focus a little bit in his drive. Madison Rain, did you get Netflix famous? Have you lost your focus? <laughs> this is. I. I'm just saying, like, respect to her because they talked her up. I'm just confused about what it's not translating on television to me. And she chose sky blue as like her protege, which I think is like a weird choice. Yeah. I think sky blue could be something someday. 
Yes, but I think that she framed her uh, as a little bit ahead of where she is right now. It it, it was a weird choice. <laughs> anyway, I don't feel too bad because I have really good things to say about women's wrestling on uh, uh, on uh, Dynamite. So, um, I hey, let's... that's isn't that the measure of true equality though? When we get to the point where we can just say like, hey, the women had a bad match and not feel bad about like potentially dragging down the whole, you know. Well, I don't know, Megan, because we did just dra- drag down her like teaching capabilities. I didn't. On one I didn't. I'm I didn't. I'm, I'm saying Jenny though. I Andy did not tweet him. He's the only one. Um, no, I'm saying he's, I think he's at Nap Daddy, some sort of number. Yeah, Nap Daddy sixty nine. Check me out. Yeah, that's that's it. But that's the measure, right, Jenny? Because I would say the same shit about a male coach, and that's where oh, we're yeah. trying to get right. There we go. We did it. Okay. Well, anyway, TJ win, obviously. Um, TJAS. TJAS. I assume. I think so, yeah. I think that's true. So uh, we get a swerve promo, and it's a really good one. He's like, he's very, like, kind of low key and real. And I do wonder, like, where is Keith Lee? Like, he's been gone for like two weeks now. Um, but anyway, uh, he's, but anyway, he's just hyping up his match for Dynamite against Billy Gunn. Has he been gone for two weeks, or was he just gone for the dynamite and the rampage? He was because he was there during the hurricane, but Swerve wasn't. Yes, and then Swerve was there the so next that was... week. Hmm. I think I think you're just confused because now we're on a different week. I think they were was... both in Washington for. Yeah. Well, Keith Lee wasn't there uh, on dynamite, although I don't know if that was because he inherently disagrees with Swerve's new um, kind of issues with billy gunn or not but eh. i thought it was weird because you know they're clearly still going to do swerve in our glory versus acclaimed part three maybe keith lee will that will be like a catalyst for him splitting away from swerve because he doesn't seem cool with swerve's like mean streak mm-hmm. yeah uh and then that is uh gonna take us to the main event of AEW Rampage, Trio's title on the line, Death Triangle versus The Dark Order. So uh, Dark Order finally getting their uh, their new shot here. Uh, Ten, all healed up from his leg injury. And uh, didn't, uh, didn't work out for him. Uh, Pac uses the goddamn hammer again uh, on uh, Reynolds and pens him. John Silver looked good. Pac looked good. Phoenix looked good, but for some reason, like maybe the, I think this went too long. It was just it was a very long match, and it just did this one didn't click with me too much. I don't know how do you feel, Maggie? Usually, like uh, Death Triangle matches a lot, though. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was. It struck me as like a bad match. It just maybe was like it was like a fine match, you know, like yeah. fine. Um, I do feel I I still felt bad that like they put so much pressure on this is the anniversary of Brody's last match. And it's like, but they're not going to win. <laughs> yeah. Why do you right. keep bringing it up? Yeah. I thought it was like possible because it was live, but they might do it. But no, alas. I, I just thought the trios titles, maybe like it would be too much to switch them so soon, but you know, but then the they also weren't supposed to be on death triangle to begin with. So 
you could make the other argument. That's fair. It doesn't really matter who they're on at this point. Okay, so that takes us to uh, Battle of the Belts 4, also from Washington, D.C. In fact, one show led right into the other, and Pac had to just stay in the ring to defend his title against Trent Beretta. So we uh, we start off with Pac versus Trent for the AEW All-Atlantic title. Um, this was really good. Uh, I really liked this. And Trent and Pac have a history of having good singles matches, um, dating back to, like... Like, honestly, I think, like, like pre-pandemic, because they were doing matches in the build-up to the first Orange Cassidy pack match back at uh, Revolution 2020. Yeah. Um, which, as we all know, is the last pay-per-view before the world ended. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but Pack uh, hammer, gets him with the hammer. Uh, they really, they really, they put a lot of equity in this hammer, so I, I appreciate that they... They did a good job building this up and paying it off uh, last night. So uh, kudos for them for that. But uh, yeah, Pat gets the win here. A really good match. All right. Um, did you? So did you? So what show did you watch, Jenny? I'm not sure. I saw Claudio do the the turn thing. And that's the show you watched. Yeah, but I don't remember watch any of the other matches. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, TBS title is next. We get Jade Cargill versus Willow Nightingale. Um, this was fun, but just you know, it, it was it was like kind of it was your Jade match, except she she struggled a little bit more than usual. So, um, oh. and then of course no follow up for Willow this week on Dynamite, which is always what you fear in situations like these. Uh, maybe she, maybe she was on on Rampage. I don't know. They're actually they're taping that like as we speak. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, she got the win with the uh, with the jaded, and then uh, weirdly, Nyla Rose ran out and stole the TBS title. I was going to ask because I didn't see this show, but I saw Dynamite, and I was like, Nyla wasn't in that match. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> this is odd. Yeah. So, uh. Matt Hardy's backstage, he's talking to Ethan Page, and then Stokely Hathaway comes up and shows Matt video evidence of contract tampering that he was doing, the, having the conversations with uh, with Private Party over the last couple of weeks. Uh, now, who is the authority they think they're taking these contract tampering issues to? Because who um, who's going to enforce anything? At Mega Legal Girl, probably. <laughs> oh, damn, okay. She doesn't have time for this bullshit. She's 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 got a real job. She's part of, she's part of an ongoing investigation. <laughs> Ugh. Don't say it like that. She's a witness to. <laughs> yeah. She's a witness to an ongoing investigation. That's fine. Uh, then we get uh, I believe it was Lexi Nair with Hook backstage asking about what did what did the what was in that envelope that the Trustbusters gave you. And uh, I don't know if you remember that, Megan, but the Trustbusters gave Hook an envelope. And uh, and Hook pulls out the envelope, rips it in half, and drops it on the ground, and walks away. So it's just laying there. And then Lexi Nair says, Hook, I want to know what's in that envelope. Just pick it up. <laughs> oh, Lexi. Oh, Lexi. Wow. I, uh, you know, I was surprised Hook bothered picking it up in the moment. But it, it, there's something comforting about knowing, like, oh, he's not getting taken in. He's just going to rip that shit up. Yeah, for sure. There's no way they're going to put him with a loser group like the Trustbusters. But how 
how can you respectively, respectfully mm-hmm. stand there and say, I wanted to know what was in that envelope? Maybe, maybe it was a scripted line and he was supposed to like take it, take the torn up halves with him and he, he just forgot. And then she did not improv. <laughs> anyway, uh, that takes us to our main events. Ring of Honor, World Tag Team Titles on the line. FTR versus the Gates of Agony. This has, as Dave Meltzer uh, said today on Wrestling Observer Radio, this has the uh, unfortunate distinction of being the lowest rated quarter hour in televised AEW history. Whoa. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Which, which is not shocking because it aired at, you know, what? 10 no 11:45 yeah on a, you know and and one of the teams was the gates of agony so it was not going to hold the audience anyway ftr win of course um it was not very good it was like it was the worst ftr match i've seen in a long time and and they have nothing but good matches so i think i know where i want to place the blame here <laughs> which <laughs> which unlike Miss Madison Rain, Columbus's own. Come at me, Gates of Agony. I do not care. Wow, you you're not afraid of all like the agony heads out there. No, I'm not afraid of Prince Nana. <laughs> Unless he wants to like co-opt me. If he wants to buy, if he wants to buy me off to say positive stuff about the embassy, that's fine. We can talk. Um, Brian Cage comes out and uh, helps with a little bit of a beatdown, but then Wardlow comes out, and then Wardlow gets overwhelmed, and then Samoa Joe comes out, and then they all clear the ring, and there's a big stare down. So that does lead into something on Dynamite, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Like It was like a mediocre rampage, and then I would say like kind of a bad uh, Battle of the Belts. What kind of... Yeah, what are you measuring it against? Standard for Battle of the Belts, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> I um, genuinely wish they would put more effort into it and make it better than it is, but thats I don't think that's going to happen. I find it unlikely. Uh, big update from Toronto. Uh, Amanda, Lucas, and Jay are at Rampage. Uh, they have better seats than uh, they had for Dynamite, which makes sense because the show sold a lot worse than the Dynamite. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, Amanda reports, no spoilers, but a really awesome dark couple matches worth checking out. Oh. So I might have to, might have to turn on dark next Tuesday, see what's going on. Or Monday. I think Monday is the one. Yeah. I'm just so excited that Jay is getting to have these awesome experiences. What a lucky, wonderful boy. Me too. We're going to, we're going to try to find some uh, time to have uh the family on to talk about their their aew week and jay can talk about all the exciting things that he got to do that's awesome um so another bonus episode coming up um but yeah so uh before we get into uh dynamite i just want to say i i did see a news item from fightful uh about soraya and her kind of not her contract situation, but like basically kind of what happened in the lead up to her signing with AEW. And here's just some quick hits from Sean Ross Sapp. Um, after her WWE deal expired um, and Triple H took over, he offered her a general manager position for one of the shows and she declined. Um, then she was told 
that if she ever wanted to return to WWE and wrestle, they would make it happen. Um, she, of course, wanted to wrestle, and she got herself cleared through three extensive health checks. Uh, the Vince regime of WWE was not interested in bringing her back and wouldn't approve new x-rays to be done. Oh. Um, Triple H wanted to bring her back, and he was he's, apparently he was very surprised when Vince didn't renew her contract uh, earlier this year. And finally, basically, it came down to Soraya picked AEW because she could still do outside projects with an AEW oh. contract. So are they still not letting the people at WWE do, like, um, they haven't Twitcher? Re- they haven't reversed the Twitch policy, no. Did, did she end up actually stopping her Twitch? Because I remember her tweeting, like, nope, <laughs> or whatever. I, I don't think she ever did, no. no. Were they getting part of it, or? I hope not. I have no idea. Yeah, that was so stupid. Because I think, I mean, this might be not true anymore, but I think that for a time she was one of the most popular Twitch personalities in the world, so. Wow. Yeah. God forbid she make extra money. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so that's the kind of the Soraya news. And uh, so it sounds like she will be wrestling. Yes. Certainly. Um, and then Megan, I guess, to just kind of kick off Dynamite. Well, why don't you go ahead and start, and then we will get into the news. Okay, and apologies for any puppy sounds. I know you've heard some thus far, but I think she tired herself out, so fingers crossed. Um, all right, we're in the Coca-Cola Coliseum in Toronto, Canada. It's the first time they've ventured to Toronto and Canada in general, right? I think uh, Canadians are excited. First first international show, period, for AEW. Oh, yes. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, but the Canadians, they are hyped. And um, we open the show in a way that hypes them even more because Renee Paquette is here. And she is announced by the announce team. So not like uh, Justin yeah. Roberts, not like a stadium-wide sort of deal. She's announced as like, oh, our new our new broadcast member, Renee Paquette. She comes out. I thought, I was like, oh, wow. Uh, and then I just feel like her intro, like Canada, Canada loved her, but it seemed very brief, you know, the way she was brought out. And then she, she kind of- It was like, brief. It was wait. brief. Yeah. She, um, so her podcast came out today and uh, she and her co-host, Emilio Sparks, had- uh, pre-recorded something from like a couple of days prior so it was before she actually made her debut but like they were talking about the her signing with AEW mm-hmm. and uh essentially it sounds like she's going to be doing a lot of like a lot of what she was doing in WWE like as far as like backstage interviewing and like the question came up of was she wanted to do commentary or was she going to do commentary and she basically said god no and uh and she also said, she said, you know, I shouldn't say, I should never say never, but I didn't really enjoy it. And I think, you know, there was a big reason that everybody knows that I didn't enjoy it. And and I, obviously that wouldn't be an issue here, but I'm going to say f- for the time being, no. <laughs> I'm really excited that Renee is here. I love Renee. I think she's got a great personality. Um, I, I think she's incredibly talented and like... I think her talent is beyond um, interviewing backstage. So I hope that they can find something to kind of 
leverage her a little bit more, give her a little bit more of a challenge. I, while I would love to have a woman on commentating, I, if she, if she doesn't enjoy it, I don't want her to, to do that. So like, I'm hoping they can find like a good, more prominent role for her. Cause we saw her several times throughout Dynamite, but they're all little segments. And while she did an excellent job, I just, she's capable of so much more. I want to, I want to see them really like use her well. Well, and let her shine. She's got like a sit down interview scheduled. Uh, I want to say next week they announced something, which I think I got the impression that's going to be similar to the way JR does it, which is, you know, it's still like interviewing, but it feels a little more like produced, a little more like a segment versus standing backstage and whatever. But she, she seemed like she was in her element and she was, you know, enjoying herself. And if she doesn't like commentary, then yeah, don't do commentary. Although I do, I would assume it's like a lot less of um, in the ear pressure than <laughs> her last job. So maybe maybe she'll give it a try. Yeah, that uh, that sit down interview she's doing is with uh, one Brian Danielson, who is of course you know her co-host on the <sighs> one of the best WWE properties of. Of ever uh, talking smack, which was too good, so they had to cancel it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. They had they had a really great uh, kind of a great uh, chemistry on that show. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I I agree with you, Jenny. But also, you know, if she just wants to come here and sort of like chill backstage for a bit, doing the interviews, you know, she hasn't. She hasn't really been doing that job in a while. Maybe she wants to just kind of get her feet wet and and gradually mm. do her thing. But yeah, I think she's capable of more. And maybe she can be a coach for some of the other interviewers, uh, <coughs> Lexi Nair. Um, <laughs> and maybe we can officially <coughs> Jr. I, he's in limited capacity now. You know, like he does. I I kind of. I don't want to say I missed him, but I was like, I noticed him not being there in Canada. And I was like, hmm, not getting the JR perspective. Weird. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's uh, it was just like noticeable, but not not in a bad, not in a good or bad way. Just kind of like a JR's not here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so good for good for her, though, getting uh, you know her first two weeks. Uh, she gets to be in her uh, two hometowns. Yeah. That's got to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love Renee. You're not the queen of Cincinnati. You just got there. So your roll. That's fair. I mean, next week might be a coronation. You know? I know. And that's what I'm worried about. <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Yeah. I'm definitely going to forget that. Listeners, it's next Tuesday. I hope you don't forget it too much because Wait, I believe, I believe are that they means, airing it Tuesday? Yes. Because I believe oh. that means we'll be recording the show on Wednesday next week. Oh, I will okay. make a note in my calendar. Okay. <laughs> right, anyway, Megan, proceed. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, I'm glad I wasn't the only one that thought Renee's entrance was it was a little brief, her introduction, but, you know, she showed back up later. Um, as her first order of business here in AEW, she gets to interview Christian. I believe the announced team was like, we've got the best Canadian, and now she has to talk to the worst Canadian, Christian Cage. <laughs> <laughs> um, he comes out, he's 
you know, dressed to the nines in his Christian way. He's got his arm in the sling, so he's clearly not going to be doing anything physical. But he says it's great to be back in Toronto, and he's here to guarantee a victory tonight. Um, He will not be guaranteeing his own victory because of the injury, but it will be for his right hand of destruction, as he calls him, Luchasaurus. And so that leads us into the first match of the night between the two former best friends, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Uh, Christian settles in at the announce table for this match, and he spends most of the time just being a a shitty heel, which I love. He's very funny. Um, But he talks himself up. He talks Luchasaurus up. He insults Jungle Boy repeatedly. Um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, for their part, have a, a good big guy, little guy type match with Luchasaurus. Dominating at the beginning and Jungle Boy making a comeback near the end. Unfortunately, Christian makes his way to ringside and he helps Luchasaurus out, which leads to Luchasaurus getting the pin on Jungle Boy. So there's cheating. The ref did not see. And uh, the crowd was not happy about this, as you'd expect. This match totally rocked. Um, this sounds like faint praise. Well, I guess it doesn't after I said this match totally rocked. But if I had said... Before saying anything else, if I if I opened up my thoughts with this was the best single of the match in the career of Luchasaurus, it might have sounded like faint praise. <laughs> but I do not mean it that way. This match was genuinely great. Um, I, I I thought it was the best match on the show, to be quite honest. Um, Jungle Boy's fantastic, just so good. And uh, even you know even with Christian there as Luchasaurus's backup, uh, Jungle Boy got overwhelmingly cheered. Uh, during the crowd and man they did the smoothest best looking sunset flip powerbomb through a table spot I've ever seen and like it was the, the table was like I think it was a little bit further away than than Luchasaurus was comfortable with so you could see him like kind of adjust and like jump out a little bit more um, to make sure that he went through it clean it was phenomenal yeah I didn't know how to describe that move but I thoroughly enjoyed when it happened because um, <laughs> Luchasaurus was the one who set the table up at the beginning and Christian's like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And there was teases of jungle boy going through it. But then when jungle boy put Luchasaurus through it, Christian stood up and was like, no, no, this can't, this can't stand. That's cheating. And he, mm-hmm. that's what like drove him to go to the ring, but it looked great. And uh, I appreciated the buildup. Not that I, I believe jungle boy would go through it, but I liked that. That was this, the lead up. Yeah. Where do you think this goes from here? Do you think do you think this feud is like do you put a pause on it or, or 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 do we get another Jungle Boy Luchasaurus match soon? Because obviously we're not getting the Christian match anytime soon. I would expect I don't know if soon is when it would happen, but I would expect another Jungle Boy Luchasaurus match because there was a point near the end where Jungle Boy looked like he was trying to be like like shake him and be like, "Hey, um so I feel like somewhere deep down there's like this hope that he can bring him back to mm-hmm. what they used to have. And then I think that would also nicely tie into whenever Christian's healed up, if Jungle Boy takes Luchasaurus back away Oh, Christian's from him. healed up. Okay, yes. H-E-A-L is what I mean. Oh. Um, but yes, uh, I think that's a, a segue into like Jungle Boy and the Christian feud that they, they wanted to have that they didn't. It just, it seems, seems like you can't just end it on Luchasaurus cheating to win. No, no, I think obviously Jungle Boy has to win eventually. I just don't know, like, 
because like Christian is still months away from returning, mm-hmm. like would it be prudent to kind of just stick a little pin in it for now and then come back around to it later? Oh yeah. I don't think this yeah. has to be a week to week storyline, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I guess they could do it at uh, like, they could do a rematch at the, uh, at the old full gear. Yeah. That could be where jungle boy gets the win and, and draws him back in. Mm-hmm. Or at least, if nothing else gets a win. Um, jungle boy did a sort of, I want to call it a half kill switch on Luchasaurus because Luchasaurus was kneeling down. I think that's the only way logistically this could happen. Um, and I thought that right. was fun. <laughs> like a fun way to fun burn on Christian. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, obviously like the, the want, the desire to piss off and fight with Christian is still there. It just may take time. Like you said. Yeah. Okay. So after that, go backstage where Renee went, I guess, after her intro. And she's talking to Stokely Hathaway, Ethan Page, and Jose the Assistant. Um, before she says much, Matt Hardy and Private Party barge in. Matt Hardy is super pissed. He wanted Private Party to be free of their contracts with uh, Andrade, but instead Stokely just bought those contracts, so now they're indebted to the firm. Which was, you know, not the plan. Uh, Ethan Page says he will fight Isaiah Cassidy to, like, for the property of Private Party's contract. Um, if Isaiah wins, Private Party are free. They get to go do their thing. If Ethan wins, Private Party remain under the firm's control. And Matt Hardy's contract comes under the firm's control. So that seems like kind of a really lopsided <laughs> sort of um, stipulation for Matt Hardy and Private Party, but they they agree. They're into it. So we'll see how that goes on, I believe, Rampage. That's correct. Yes. So maybe Amanda and Lucas and young Jerry are seeing that right now. We don't know. Uh, but from there, back in the ring, we have a really quick, um, not quite a squash, but but quick match between the Factory and Warjo. Um, the factory, this iteration is uh, Nick Camaroto and QT Marshall. And as you'd expect, Warjo wins because pff, why wouldn't they? Unfortunately for Andy, Mr. Freak Beast himself is the one that gets choked out for that win to happen. God damn it. I was I was literally like thinking about the plight of Mr. Freak Beast uh, <laughs> yes. uh, during this match. And because I knew that he was going to be the one to take the fall. Um, and I, I am just, I'm concerned that it's just too late for him. And he's been, he's been like downplayed for too long. And like, like Will Hobbs, you know, was like a guy on dark for a little while, but not that long, you know? And I feel like, I feel like being the guy who takes the pins or the submissions in the factory might be worse than being a job guy on dark because it's a lot more like visible. Um, yeah. It's just like there, I, I really believe there's something to that guy and they're wasting it. Yeah. I mean, he's with the factory, you know, yes. it's kind of like, and he's apparently the low man on the totem pole in the factory. I kind of expected Aaron solo to be in there because isn't he usually the one that gets pinned? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> 
I just, I, I, it's mystifying to me. I don't know whether. I, I hope he can pull himself out of the, the, like, weird spiral void of the factory. Because he, I don't know, he's a big dude. I'm not Vince McMahon, but, like, you should be able to do something with that, right? Like, he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. He seems relatively uh, agile, too, in the very small amounts we've seen him, so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry your it's boy not, had to It's not worth it. losing sleep over. It's okay. <laughs> it's just, I saw it happen, and I thought, Andy's going to be sad. Yeah, I was. You were right. Yeah. So, okay. So, that that happened, and, you know, it was, it's rough. Um, but afterwards, Samoa Joe started to serve up QT Marshall to Wardlow in that in the same way he did before, into the powerbomb symphony. Um, unfortunately, I think Wardlow only gets like one powerbomb in before Prince Nana and the embassy interrupt this this process. Um, Brian Cage gets on the mic, and he is very mad that Wardlow interfered in his business with FDR last week. Um, and FDR walks out, apparently summoned by Brian Cage speaking their name. And they're like, dude, if we're ready to fight the embassy, but there's three of you and there's two of us. And in the weirdest twist of logic, uh, Dax says, we can't ask the men uh, that just had this match to work on Friday night. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, after such a grueling match, how could they recover? But whatever. <laughs> um, so they, uh, Warjo, neither neither Wardlow or uh, Samojo are eligible to be their third, apparently. So instead, they're like, but what about this uh this this guy we have in mind this hero and he turns to cash and he goes what time is rampage on again and cash starts to count on his fingers until he's holding up 10 fingers and i'm like are you kidding me sean spears lives guys sean spears is the canadian hero that is going to help fdr defeat the embassy <laughs> on rampage i totally forgot sean spears still worked for this company I didn't, but the way the last thing he did, I feel like was extremely heelish, and I don't. He he is being sold as a hero in this scenario. Like the Canadian crowd were very happy to have him. Um, this is probably something we should ask Lucas and Amanda about. But like he came out to um, a very face sort of reception. So, and he's joining FDR. The faces. Here, so I guess Sean Spears in Canada is is the good guy. Well, he is Canadian. Well, I know, but you know, just like. Did you see the little like, the little like I I I, I missed it. I had to like watch a GIF of it um to see it, but because I missed it live. But like, there was like a little moment he had with Wardlow, uh, where you could see him like kind of like apologize like silently. Oh, I did not. Oh, yeah. Why do you need to apologize to Wardlow? Because he and Max were, you know, on that side of the feud with Wardlow. He used to be Wardlow's, like, keeper. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about all that. accountability buddy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. He got really mad when Wardlow would do extra moves. That was a race from my memory. Guys, I have have breaking MCU news uh, that I want to share here on the show. This from Slash Film, uh, confirming a report from uh, something called The Hot Mic with John Roca and Jeff Snyder. Uh, 
So as we all know, um, William Hurt passed away earlier this year. He had always portrayed the role of uh, General Thunderbolt Ross in the MCU, starting with the Incredible Hulk, and then he was in Civil War. And uh, I think he was uh, at, spoiler alert, Tony Stark's funeral at Endgame. And uh, he was also in Black Widow. Um, But, uh, you know, he passed away. And there is a movie coming out um, in a couple of years called Thunderbolts that, you know, is is partially about him. It's about a team that he and um, Julie Julie Louis-Dreyfus are assembling, (laughs) uh, which includes the Black Widow and... uh, the, well, you know, Kurt, bringing back Scarlett Johansson? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Yelena Belova, uh, Florence Pugh's uh, character. I don't know if she'll be called the Black Widow. Um, but anyway, it's like it's a big, it's a big team up movie. It it, it kind of weirdly seems like like a Marvel take on Suicide Squad, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, anyway, so they need a Thunderbolt Ross, and they are. They, they've not, they've decided not to just let Julie Lee Dreyfus carry that load. Um, they are recasting Thunderbolt Ross. Thunderbolt Ross will be played by Harrison Ford. <gasps> what? The what? You're behind that. Jenny, he's 80 years old. <laughs> <laughs> she is still, it still uh, sparks her fire, if you will. <laughs> now, I, I had seen, I had heard this report. I think my friend Jason, because he's like, he pays way, 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 way too much attention to all the the hot news and goss. It's our um, fault. We got rumors. him into it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We created this monster. Um, and I made a joke at the time, and I'm going to repeat it here, because I think it's a good joke. Because my, my first thought was, oh, Harrison Ford is finally going to get revenge on William Hurt for stealing the uh, Oscar from him in 1985. <laughs> Okay. No? Okay. All right. Fine. All right. I've said it on I've said it on mic now. So anyway, yes, Harrison Ford, Thunderbolt Ross. That's the news. So I'm pro Ford. I'm honestly very surprised that Disney didn't just decide to throw a bunch of money at it and do the thing they did with um the guy in Rogue One. You know, I bet they spent as much money on Harrison Ford as they would have on this on the CGI. Yeah, you're probably. I mean, maybe William Hurt's family was also like, we don't want you to bring back our father in a weird, creepy sort of digital way. And here's, I love Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford might be like my favorite actor of all time. Just like, just because well, of uh, Kevin Costner is your favorite actor of all time. No, Harrison Ford's more important to be. Kevin, Kevin Costner's the one he has the biggest man crush on. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. All right, it's different. Harrison Ford, like, you know, Harrison Ford's been with me my entire life. So for what he meant to me as a kid, and I, I don't think any actor is ever going to loom as large for me as Harrison Ford. That said, I do think it's interesting that Marvel decided that, like, okay, our 71-year-old actor passed away. Let's recast him in a movie that isn't even going to shoot for two more years with an 80-year-old actor. Harrison Ford is so fit. He's good. <laughs> I'm sure he'll make it, but I just, I was just trying to think like, who, aren't there some people that Marvel hasn't, aren't there some like big name, like, you know, 65 year olds that Marvel hasn't like tap tapped yet? I'm sure there are, like, we could probably come up with some, but it seems like that would have been the the, the move. I hope there's a reason for them to cross paths with the Guardians of the Galaxy, because my favorite thing that Harrison Ford has done recently (laughs) is to tell Chris Pratt when Chris Pratt was like, 
I could be the next Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford said, In, I'm Indiana Jones. <laughs> like, you cannot have the I am Indiana Jones. And I just think, need a flex. Like, you, you keep good it flex. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, also, maybe like the nine years age difference is made up by the just insane charm Harrison Ford has on screen. <laughs> specifically on screen not not, no, not his personal life old man in real life <laughs> but you know you know it's funny you mentioned kevin costner mm-hmm. jenny he's a person who is who fits that age range i was talking about who has not been in an mcu movie yet i think he would have been a pretty good choice to be the new thunderbolt ross maybe he yeah. feels too much allegiance to playing clark kent's dad <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. That one Superman movie that was. I'm sure he re- I'm sure he remembers that he was in a Superman movie. <laughs> He's not Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> All right, okay. I'm sorry for that uh, MCU uh, minute uh, derailing there, but uh, let's move that's, on. That's okay. We were just talking about Sean Spears, so that's fine. Um, oh, look, I'm okay with Sean Spears. I just think it's really um, funny how shocking it was he came back. Um, you know, unexpected wise. So whatever. After after that surprising reception for Sean Spears, we go backstage where Tony Schiavone is talking to Mr. Ocho himself, Chris Jericho. Um, Matt Menard and Angela Parker are also there with him. Or as Jenny's favorite uh way of saying it, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Angela Parker. <laughs> I don't care uh, that he has a penis. <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> yeah, he obviously does. Whatever. He's uh, he's fired up, not over his penis. But Angelo Parker starts out by yelling at Brian Danielson for making this whole thing personal by trying to poach Daniel Garcia. That was uncalled for. Matt Menard is also angry, but his anger is directed at Daniel Garcia himself, which seems to be the usual way of things where he thinks that Garcia, you know, kind of needs to be put in his place. And, and this match between Jericho and uh, Danielson coming up tonight is going to do that. And Jericho's like, he says, Brian Danielson, you made me hurt my boy, Daniel Garcia. And I'm so my mad little about brother. it. Yes. He didn't call him his son, right? Cause no, he said he's like a son to 2.0. He's like a little brother to me. Yeah. Okay. The relationships. Okay. Uh, but at any rate, Jericho's like, Garcia's not returning any of my calls. So that must be tough. Um, but yeah. This is this is all in preparation for the match Jericho has against uh, Brian Danielson for the um, ROH World Championship, World Heavyweight Championship, World Championship, Ring of Jericho World Championship. Yes. ROJ. Is that match now? No. Okay. Got Swerve. Okay, so here's my question for you, Megan. Did did, was was what happened with Daniel Garcia? Was it all prearranged, or did he make a decision in the moment? Like, are we talking about the match? Yeah. Um. Decision in the moment. Okay, so you think that like when Parker or when uh, Menard specifically was cutting that promo on him, he was like he was still like real mad at him. And then, and so probably part of Garcia's decision was influenced by seeing his father and brother figures uh, cut those promos. 
baby, yeah. Okay, I, mean, I, I was just, I was just, because I, I figured, like, it could have been either way, but I, I just wanted to know what you thought. I just feel like it's one of those things where I could see it being, like, you know, if all this wasn't all prescriptive, um, like, he comes out, he stops Jericho from doing something bad, and then there's, like, that part of him in his mind where it's like, <laughs> I stopped the bad thing. But also, this is my family? And maybe it's like a level of Stockholm Syndrome. But it seems like one of those decisions where you get out there and you're just like, oh, fuck, everything's falling apart. Yeah. We'll get to it, though. Uh, <laughs> the next match up after that pro or that interview or whatever um, is Swerve Strickland versus Billy Gunn. Um, Billy Gunn is obviously the one the crowd loves. And Swerve Strickland has so much heat on him uh, that, like, I, I don't, I don't know. There's nothing he could do to not not be hated. Um, the acclaim made a uh, Max Caster made a uh, Justin Trudeau blackface joke, um, and then I think the second one was an NHL joke, but I'm not familiar with NHL players, so I wasn't sure. No, it sounded like an it it sounded like an athlete's name, and so I assumed it was NHL because. I'm sorry, Canada. That's your sport, hockey. Um, far be it for me to assume, but that's what I did. And I did not understand the Trudeau joke because I forgot he did blackface, but I was like, Trudeau's really white. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so the acclaimed did a rap and came out with Billy Gunn, which only, you know, shot Billy Gunn's uh, popularity up. And uh, this match, like, I don't know what I was expecting from it. I thought it was it was pretty good. Um, Billy Gunn kept teasing, removing his trunks, which I was, like, horrified by. Please don't take your trunks off, Mr. Gunn. Um, but, all, like, at the end of it, Swerve Strickland gets the win, and it's because he cheats by holding onto the rope, which enrages the crowd. Uh, and also, you know, Billy Gunn. Um, but the acclaimed run out after after Billy gets pinned, and they they run right past Swerve, and they just check on Billy Gunn out of concern. Um, so it's I guess it was nice that they didn't come to blows there. But yeah, Billy Billy Gunn got the loss, and the crowd was like real pissed about it. Yeah, I'm I understood like so I get it that Swerve is a heel. So he's going to do less flashy stuff, but, uh, but it does, I don't know to me, I, I know that, uh, you know, I know there's like working like a heel and working for your audience and the psychology of working a heel is not doing flashy stuff, but it does to me, it makes him a little less interesting because his flashy moves are a big part of him. Yeah. I do think those were like very good at like, I guess it's psychology character work. Maybe. I don't know. Like he, he plays the part really well, and I, he's very believably like a heel. I don't know, uh, but y yeah, he's there is like it's it's sad to have to miss out on like his acrobatics and athleticism because that he can't look cool if he's a heel. Um, on the other hand, Billy Gunn is ripped as hell which i think is so wild for a man his age and um that seemed to be a big hit with the crowd 
but like uh all the all the chemistry that goes into looking like that at his age we don't know about it it's tough so yeah we can do all things through science megan clearly i the man has a flat stomach i'll give him that but it cannot be through natural means i just rough um so yeah so the acclaimed run out afterwards to check on him and they go to to do a group scissor scissoring whatever the crowd's real into it and then they immediately get interrupted by mark sterling and tony niece who come out and uh say thanks to the greatest country in the world america um they have (laughs) been able to trademark the words scissor me in wrestling and so he threatens to sue the acclaimed if they do the scissor scissoring uh if they you know do what they do and he says you know what i'm willing to work with you on this okay um you know if you're interested we can talk but until they figure out this whole trademark thing sterling looks at tony niece says scissor me daddy niece and then they scissor and the crowd is like boo (laughs) it's so jarring and weird to hear scissor me daddy niece don't want to no thank you Anthony Bones tweeted out uh, last night at nine o'clock. Unfortunately, Mark Sterling has also just informed me that due to his scissor me trademark, we are immediately barred from using the scissor emoji or any variations of it in any of our tweets. Oh no, that's that feels like overstepping Mark Sterling. Gosh, this is a great storyline. This is like a great mid card storyline, you know. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. no, they stole our scissoring thing. How will we get it back? <laughs> they looked like they were going to do it. They were like, oh, we're going to do it anyway. And then Sterling's like, I will sue you. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, pretty I'm good. behind this. This is funny. Marcus Sterling's funny. And you know what? He's bringing funny to Tony Nese. So whatever. I'll take it. I still say Jade shouldn't have dropped him. Especially because she replaced him with Stokely and then Stokely was like, later. Yeah. <laughs> she could she could use representation. Yeah. <sighs> we'll see what he trademarks next, I guess, in the coming weeks. Um, but for now, backstage, Alex Marvez is talking to MJF. What if he uh, what if he trademarks ass next? How do you but only in wrestling? <laughs> Only in wrestling. Scissor me, daddy. Gun? Yeah. It would be horrible. <laughs> anyway, MJF. Do you remember last week how he uh, he sort of had a moment of humanity where Yuta tried to shake his hand and he considered doing it? Well, yeah. I do I remember talking... that, Megan. Me too. And it's, it's like, oof, that's very un- MJF of him, but Marvez is trying to get to the bottom of it. He's like, what, uh, what's going on with you? Before MJF can say one single word, Stokely Hathaway interrupts. And MJF is like, I don't like this whole uh, predictable formula where I'm in an interview and then you interrupt me and I'm very mad at you about it. And he says that this is strike two for Stokely and if there's another one, he's going to have to fire him. And Stokely kind of like... MJF looks very serious. Stokely kind of laughs and is like, all right, buddy. And then he leaves. Um, So MJF is like, uh, back to business. 
William Regal, not afraid of him. He's a villain, whatever, bring him on. And with regard to Wheeler Yuta, he says, even I wasn't sure if I was going to shake his hand last week. Uh, you know, it's super hard to be me. The audience, you guys don't know what it's like for me. I have no choice but to be the bad guy. He says, nice guys finish last, and I want to be the champ. So I guess he's torn on his role as bad guy, which feels like the first step to being not a bad guy down the line. <laughs> so MJF, showing dimension, mm-hmm. if you will. But speaking, I'm still not in for an ultimate turn. I just, we'll see. I cannot picture him being nice. Mm-mm. Is it bad that like I literally cannot picture that man being nice or no? Even he's just so he's so selfish and narcissistic and doesn't care about others in any way. There's no way he doesn't have a nice bone in his body. Yeah, it's he's implanted himself in my head as like a raging asshole. Yes. No way. So uh, I'll be interested to see how he how he does the character work to get there because you know maybe he can. Maybe I'm just underestimating him, but I think it'll take a lot because it's such a weird polar opposite of what we've seen for literally years from him. But the championship that he wants. In six days, on Tuesday of next week, Dynamite is in Cincinnati, Ohio. John Moxley, Cincinnati boy, will be defending his title against Adam Page. Are you going to go to the show, Megan? You going to go watch watch the Pride of the East Side defend his title? Ugh, I would love to, except uh, I have just raging social anxiety, and it's a big <laughs> old coliseum. I don't mm-hmm. want to go to it. So. Mm-hmm. And it's a Tuesday night, and I have to drive to Cincinnati. Yikes. Like a lot. Like a lot. But, you know, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll go well. Mox is, this is here. The third, this is the third time they've done Cincinnati now, or just the second? I think second, because I remember one other time. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to go okay. with that. Second. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Moxley's here. You should go hang out at Finley Market, though, like, in the afternoon on Wednesday. I could, do, I could do that. I could do that. That would be less stressful, and you could get all wind up at Market Wines, which anyone who's in the Cincinnati area uh, for the show on Wednesday, please visit Market Wines in Finley Market. Say hello to Mike, who's the owner. He is amazing, and uh, they do wine tastings there on the weekend, but I also know you can buy a glass of wine and drink it there or in the little beer garden um, right outside. And say hello and, to uh, me. I'll be in the Elite Beat uh, shirt. <laughs> so that you know. Uh, you know, just approach slowly because I'm very easily scared. <laughs> hmm. that, might, that might be the threshold, yeah. <laughs> Go down to Finley Market and hang out there. Uh, but yeah, Tuesday, Moxley, who's going to defend his title, is going to do that against Adam Page. Um, he comes out here to talk to the crowd. He says, you know, being the champions, a, it's a dirty job. You have to be ruthless and indiscriminate. So naturally, he loves it. Um, 
he says, you know, I'm going to face Adam Page. And he doesn't get much more into that that before, like, Adam's music hits and Adam walks out. In some of the wildest pants I think I've ever seen him wear, um, they are... He is not in his gear, to be clear. He is wearing pants with cowboy fringe and I think sparkly stars on them. Uh, silver and gold, I want to say. And it is just, it's a look. Uh, Our friend Lucas wore um, the shirt that he got from uh, the same place that Hangman gets a lot of his clothes from last night to the show. <laughs> I forget oh. the name of the website, but yeah. That's amazing. I don't. I'll, I, I'll to ask him about it when I talk to him. You should tell him to get a pair of these pants because they're intense. Moxie um, kind of looks at them and is like, "Okay." Uh, so Adam walks out, and he he extends his hand to say, "Like, give me that mic." So Moxley complies, and Adam's like, "You know, anything you want to say about me, you can say to my face." And last week, you said that you respected me both in the ring. And as a person, and that meant the world to me because I respect you as well, John Moxley, both in and out of the ring. Um, like they, there was this moment of mutual respect between them. And then Adam's like, I do take issue <laughs> with <laughs> y- you referring to me as a kid. And did you mean that? And Moxley's like, Yeah, dude, I said it. I meant it. And so Adam is like, I'm not a kid. He goes off on this like very, uh, long tirade about him he's he's not the same as he was a year ago he uh he's lost friends he's angry the medicine isn't working <laughs> and he's still here because he's a man and i thought of that uh that fun meme that our friend dave says where i'm 40 i'm a man adam page is 31 he's a man 31 uh but he wants to really stress that he knows what he has to do in Cincinnati and he's willing to do it to take the championship back. And that's fine. There, there's a better I'm a man quote from that show, from the Canadian show. Slings and arrows. Slings and arrows. Do you want to? <laughs> oh, God. Like, Since we're in the area. This has a, so you have to like explain the setup and everything. Come on, you can do it. All right. So the lead character, who is uh, who was an older director, he dated this actress for a long time. They broke up, which like partially led to his nervous breakdown. Um, she uh, starts dating this very young uh, motocross uh, enthusiast, and uh, and he uh, the uh, director Jeffrey runs into him in the parking lot of. Uh, the uh, the theater where he works, and uh, the kid punches him in the face because he thinks yeah. there's something going on with uh, him and him and the actress Ellen. And uh, Jeffrey, when he's down on the concrete, he looks up at him. He says, "Ah, oh, yes, you're her boy." And he says, "I'm her man." <laughs> oh my okay. <laughs> there are so many good. Uh... I'm a man things, apparently. <laughs> Adam Page, you're adding to it. Very good promo. I don't think it's going to help him come Tuesday. Oh, no. I, I was, like, thinking, good for you, Adam, but, like, I think he says, I'm making, or I have a shot and a promise. Like, I have a shot at it, and I promise I'm going to get it, the championship, and I was like, oh, buddy, I don't 
I don't think you want to make that promise. Guys, have they, they've stopped referring to this as the interim title, right? Yeah, it ceased to be the interim title when uh, CM Punk, or no, when uh, John Moxley beat CM Punk on that Dynamite before uh, All Out. But then Punk won but it. But then Punk won it. Yes. And then, then I thought there was it. a... Oh, did they officially they say he vacated it? it? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. They didn't say he vacated it. They, they said, said the title was said, vacated. Tonight we will start a tournament to crown a new champion. And they yeah. vacated the trios yeah. as well. So they're not interim at all. No. no. The, the only interim title right now is the, is women's. the women's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, so that that's another thing about this promo segment was it was the closest that anyone has come to referencing CM Punk and the elite since this all happened because Mox kind of alluded to punk in his promo before Adam came out. And then Adam straight up said, my friends, like, you know, like my new friends are like disappearing by the week. My old friends aren't even here anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were sure that the elite with Kenny were going to premiere in Toronto. Was I sure? Yeah. You said that would happen because it would have been, it would, it was like five weeks or so after. Well, I think I was wrong. I think they're not coming back. I think they're coming back. I think that, I think that this investigation is not over somehow. What is Uh, their Twitter location? That's the most important thing. (laughs) I think it's still uh, like, honestly, not sure. Um, But I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a live check here. Because, you know, suspended AF, that was jokey. Honestly, not sure. That was, that felt a little more serious, but. They, they don't have one listed anymore. Oh, I don't know if that's better or worse if you just take it off. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Kenny was in Japan, though, right? And so is Kenny. Yes, Kenny was in Japan. Is Kenny back stateside at this point? Or do we know? I don't know. Okay. Well, I thought it was it was very interesting that Adam was able to say that, but it also like obviously plays very. It's a a, a good story point for him. Like I'm I'm different. Things are changing. The reference to the Dark Order slowly kind of deteriorating. <laughs> like Adam has had a rough time of it lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't. You're. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to have a better time by getting the title. I think he's going to lose it. Yeah, he's had a rough time of it ever since once Cody left the company, he decided he was going to take his place with all the bloody matches and turn everyone who originally liked him off. Jenny, he hasn't bled in a while. Are you going to get back on the Adam train? No, better. I don't know why. Those fringy star sparkly cowboy pants didn't bring you back around. They didn't. The butterflies he had one one week that didn't call to no. you. His new thing with pants, apparently, that's not charming. <laughs> Throwing his wallet out of his pocket. That didn't do it for me this either. This is going to get in the way of my fighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I like Adam. I do. I just don't think he's going to win. Um, and Adam, you know, after he, he says his piece, he... He leaves the ring, but he makes the bold move of uh, jamming his shoulder into Moxley. And there's like a couple seconds where you're like, oh, Moxley is pissed and he's going to do something about it. But he does not. He does not get baited into fighting. Um, 
And so they part ways. And uh, this whole time, MJF's been sitting up, you know, like way up in the rafters, clutching his giant poker chip like an idiot, cackling at what's going on in the ring. He's he wasn't you know he, his his expressions were different than the other times he's done this though he did he seemed to like he he wasn't like doing mocking expressions when Hangman was cutting his promo you know which I thought was like significant like like yeah I guess as time sort of ticks down to that actual point where he claims he's you know they're not fighting each other they're fighting to lose the title to him it, yeah he has to make a move. Sooner or later, right? Yeah. He has, if he's going to back up what he's saying. Yeah. How far out is Full Gear? Is that November? Yeah, I believe we have five dynamites between now and Full Gear. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Which means I, I feel like after next week, with the big title match, after that, we've got we've to gotta really start seeing some directions. Yeah, and we're assuming that Chip is, like, the money in the bank briefcase. He can just do it whenever he I'm assuming that based. I'm assuming that based on what has been said. I'm praying to God that's not the case, but we'll see. Okay, because I'm just thinking in terms of, like, if that's going to be the, the full gear match, you wouldn't toss a poker chip out and, you know, like, you can't. Can well, WWE would, but I mean, AEW shouldn't. And, yeah. I mean, unless they're going to do a thing where, like, he cashes in next week on a on a weekend Moxley, and then the story for the pay per view is Moxley, you know, going for revenge in the rematch. Yeah, but that's what I hate about the Money in the Bank thing. What? Because they wait until like the end of like a big match, and then they cash it in, and then beat the guy, and it's like, but you didn't really have a match. Well, yeah, that's the point, though. That's like, I mean, that is the but point. I don't of like it. Either. No, that's cool. That's totally cool. But I'm just saying, like, the point of it is that you can <laughs> use it to, like, a heel can use it to be really opportunistic. Yeah. Strategically, you can fly in there and, and steal a title. I hope that's not what happens to John Moxley, but if we're building up to a match, maybe that is the only way to set it up that makes sense. Because, again, you're not going to wait till the pay-per-view, not advertise a match, and then be like, MJF's here to cash in his poker chip or whatever the hell and do it. Um, I no. wouldn't. No, that'd be stupid. <sighs> but a reminder to all the listeners, Tuesday. Tuesday of next week. I'm saying this repeatedly so it, it melts into my brain, but Tuesday. <laughs> uh, but anyway, after that ha- that whole thing goes down, um, we have a match coming up. It's Danielson versus Jericho. But before that match, we get a very cool video package to sort of set it up. And um, there's a lot of footage of old school Ring of Honor, Brian Danielson, which I just thought was really fun. You know, like that they have some clips of the AEW happenings that led to this point. But there are a lot showing Brian Danielson just doing cool stuff in Ring of Honor. It's awesome that they own that library and that they are they are like leveraging it so much in video packages. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. There's so there's just so much great footage you know over the course of over the you know the uh the, the history of that company. Yeah, and it's like 
I hope they can use more of it. Because, I, I mean, like, Brian Danielson is obviously the big one doing stuff right now. But, like, Samoa Joe, you know, he's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If they, just... if they make up with CM Punk, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that relationship is soured. <laughs> yeah, I think that one's done. I still, like, I at this point, here's what I think about that. I think... And we might have even said this at some point, but I, I now I especially think so far removed from the event now. He still has many months to go of healing up. Cooler heads are going to prevail. They didn't in his last injury. He came red hot after sitting at home for four months or three months, however long. Well, he did not cool off at home last time. You're right. You're Jenny. You're right. You're right, and I'm wrong. So all right. I mean, in a way, I, I get what Jenny's saying, where it's like. Even if cooler heads prevail, aren't you like kind of worried that CM Punk is a little bit of a loose cannon as far as like he'll go out there and like call out Adam Page for something that none of the audience knows what's happening and <laughs> just like be totally okay with that? Like, I don't know. I think I, I, I think you put him on the shortest leash imaginable. If he does one thing, you fire him on the spot, but you you give it one more chance after after the injury. Mm. I don't know. Then you're going through that whole emotional roller coaster with everyone in the lot. Honestly, All that emotional roller coaster. It feels like they don't need any of them. Are you like pro elite getting out? Like like I I would say they're your boys. The the further we've gotten from here the more perspective I've had of like truly maybe their influence on, I don't know. I don't know if the locker room influence or just like their lack of leadership in roles that are supposed to be leading roles is very disappointing. And I don't think I truly like got it until like, like these like trauma situations happened and other people truly stepped up and seemed like good leaders. Like, I don't think we need them. I mean, the company did kind of outgrow Cody Rhodes at a certain point, and you know, and he he left, and I don't really think that's been <laughs> that's hasn't been a terrible negative. I feel like with Cody, the difference was like he clearly had a different idea of what he wanted, mm-hmm. and it didn't match the overall plan. I'm surprised at how much I actually haven't missed the. <laughs> Like I know I I you know like other people have stepped in. It seems like things are kind of moving right along without them. I, would, I mean, would would the acclaimed be getting as much TV time as they've been getting? Mm-mm. You know, like I, mean, I think that's a big thing. So I don't know. Like so, Jenny clearly is has reached a point where she's kind of like whatever. Andy, how do you how do you feel if like like what? What are the scenarios that hurt you most? Is it better or worse if the Young Bucks and Kenny just, like, don't come back? Or I mean, I guess it depends on what they're going to do otherwise. Like, are they going to go to WWE? I don't, I'm not terribly interested in that. I mean, I'd probably watch a little bit of it. But, um, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be bummed out if they never came back to AEW. Because AEW is the wrestling that I watch. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I fall somewhere in the middle where it's like, I'm kind of with Jenny where out of sight, out of mind at this point, I'm, I'm not missing. Like, it doesn't feel like I'm missing anything. 
But if they came back, I'd probably be like, yay. I miss Kenny a lot. Um, and I think that's because he was gone for so long and we only got him back for a month. But I think he was Fair. gone for so long that we got used to not seeing him there. I guess, but it was a big deal to me when he came back. Mm. And I really of... liked the storyline they did during the trios tournament where he was like, he was a mummy and that he would slowly, <laughs> he slowly became unmummified over three matches. <laughs> Shedding his like weird compression shirts. Yeah. I always enjoyed Kenny matches. I never fully enjoyed Kenny's character. Mm. I thought you were pissed when Cody came in and tried to like take Kenny's place. Well, I liked his early BTE character, which I think was probably him with the early BTE. But um, I met his wrestling character. Oh, okay. You didn't like heel world champion Kenny Omega? No. Okay. Okay. I guess I I like Mega Hung. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm speaking. Yeah, you're right, Andy. I didn't like heel world champion Kenny Omega. Right. Very specific type of Kenny Omega. But that was the last Kenny Omega I saw for almost a year. Yeah. It's unfortunate he's involved, honestly, because I feel like I want to believe Kenny's role was I tried to save the dog and then I got bit by Ace Steel. <laughs> and I wish I hadn't been there at all. Like, honestly, that's that's what I want Kenny's role in this I to be. I really hope that's what comes out of the investigation because that would be hilarious. <laughs> Uh, all right well i'm i'm excited to eventually learn you know what we can expect from that um going back to roh though brian brian danielson he was in it he's old school chris jericho currently holds the uh what was formerly called the roh world title it's now the roj world title um and he is fighting brian danielson for it uh Danielson shows up in all black gear, which I think is classic ROH, uh, or at least like a hearkening back to ROH. Um, and then Chris Jericho, Judas starts playing. And then like before Jericho actually comes out, the Lionheart music, uh, I believe it's White Zombie um, mm-hmm. plays. So Jericho's kind of like in a different mode now. Um the audience does insist on singing Jericho, or not Jericho, Judas, like, as the match starts, so they aren't accepting it, but that's what happens. Um, the Code of Honor, not observed. Chris Jericho, I want to say, pretends to extend his hand because I don't trust that he would actually shake, but Brian Danielson's like, no, I don't want this. So um, I like to think that Danielson rejected him because he knew that it was a ruse. Uh, and then, finally, the last thing I noticed when this match started Aubrey was not the ref, and I believe Chris Jericho wants, like, it's in his rider or whatever, that Aubrey is always the ref, and so I was like, what is going on? This is, this is a... He's, rare... the, he's the Ring of Honor ref. Paul Turner? Oh, was it Paul Turner? It's Paul Turner. Oh, then I don't understand. I don't know why they did that. I figured out why, because oh, okay. the ref had to take a bump. Oh, right. That's right. And I don't think on television they want to show Aubrey getting, like, knocked in the face by... I gotta go handle a giant spider. I'll be right back. Oh, you know how it is. It's I'll talk about scary. this next. Where is it? Ooh, I don't like furry. It's around the corner. It's hiding. 
giant spider interlude. So, uh, you know, to anyone out there that's listening while the spider's getting murdered, um, we're gently let out of the house if you're kind of a animal lover. Um, Brian Danielson. Oh, Brian Danielson is facing Chris Jericho. Jericho's the champ. Uh, they have a very hard-hitting match, I think. Um, and Brian Danielson is very good at, you know, wrestling. Jericho matches him, and the crowd Jesus actually... Christ. Uh-oh, I'm scared. The spider is overwhelming, Andy. I can't see any of this, listeners. I'm watching a blank screen. God, it's got a hold of me! Oh, no. I think they're dying. If they die... um. This will never get published because I can't save the recording. So uh, I'm speaking into the void right now. Oh, no, Andy's back. It didn't kill you. No, it didn't actually have a hold of me. It, um, it, it was it was a big spider. It was big and it was hairy. It was hairy. Normally I would kill and them, but it was big. So I had like my clump of paper towels that I usually use when I'm going to be killing a spider. Mm-hmm. And I jammed down on it and I heard the crack. Oh, God. And I... Pull up the paper towel, and the thing keeps running. I heard, like, four cracks. I had to, like, crack it, like, four times before I, like, just, like, totally broke it and killed it. Ew. It was a worthy opponent. Oh, God. It was, it was not as worthy as the spricket that required an iron. Jesus Christ. Sprickets are a real thing. Look it up. They're terrifying. Yeah, I don't know if they're Midwest only, but... We've all had sprickets on this call, and it's terrible. Okay. Guys, how did you feel about the Chris Jericho-Daniel Bryan match? Bryan Danielson, sorry. I think I didn't... Okay, so I didn't really see the first one at the pay-per-view because I was, like... Mm-hmm. like clean, I think I was cleaning the kitchen or something. You were. Um, I, I, I didn't think it was as good as the TV match. They had the rematch with the Danielson one. I thought that was the best match they had. Mm-hmm. It was still pretty good, though. I mean, you're not going to have a bad match with these guys. No, it's true. Um, and Chris Jericho won, but it was like from cheating. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, well, he can't win clean. It's just like a law now. Even though he's the ROH, JOH, whatever. I honor. I just like that. I just like that AEW is falling into that trap of like heels can only win by cheating. I I've noticed that a lot lately and I do not like it. Yeah. Although in this particular situation, because honors in the title, I feel like it's almost like it makes sense that he's like, I'm doing the opposite. I'm dishonoring, you know, like that's part of the storyline, but yeah. In, in a general sense of cheating. He should have taken death first. Death first? Death before dishonor. Oh. <laughs> Her favorite pay-per-view name ever. Because mm-hmm. she thinks it's like a period piece duel. Heck yeah, I do. Well, the cheating, it should be said, was because Daniel Garcia... Uh, well, actually, no. Matt Menard, I believe, tossed Jericho the his belt and Jericho was going to use it on Daniel, no, Brian Danielson. And then Garcia ran out and was like, no, don't do that. And then he made a split second, second decision where he was like, 
but I have my ROH pure title, and so I'm going to hit Danielson in the face with that. And the ref saw none of this because he was knocked out, and that's why it wasn't Aubrey because, again, you, you can't, like, accidentally kick Aubrey in the face uh, unless it's no, a lady Paul doing Turner, it. Paul Turner took a wicked bump, so. Yeah, so so he was out while all this happened. And when he uh, was rolled into the ring by, I believe, one of the 2.0 people, um, he didn't see any of what happened. Jericho subtly kicked out the belts from the ring and he pinned Danielson. And um, I don't know, I guess Garcia's like, Ooh, I'm in it. <laughs> He's in too deep. He's got Stockholm syndrome is what I'm taking away from this. Mm-hmm. He, he truly can't, you know, he can't do anything else. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what's going on there. I believe the next thing, listen, I'm going to admit to you, I was watching this up to the cutoff of dinner tonight before we <laughs> recorded. So my notes are lax, but is that uh, why you were late to record? No, it's because I was eating dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I was watching this as I made dinner. Um, so my notes cut off at some point. Um, but I believe there's a a promo or an interview where Nyla and Vicky are with Renee. And Nyla's got the belt, the TBS championship belt. And that's when I was like, why do you have that? You couldn't have won. You weren't in the match at Battle of the Belts. And so that's where I learned that she stole the belt. And then um, for some weird reason, like Anna Jay <laughs> rolls in and is like, okay, you have that belt. How about you fight me? So then I can take the belt from you, even though no one officially has it. And then I can show you and Jade what it means to be a champion. But like, at no point would any of this be official because Jade still is the TBS champion, even though Nyla stole the belt. So there's a lot of stuff going on in that um, that segment where, like, Jade Jade is the champion. Nyla stole a belt, but Nyla and Anna Jay are going to have a match for the stolen belt on Dynamite. Not Dynamite, um, Rampage, I believe. So, yeah. That's happening. Um, but that's the lead-in to the ladies' match of the evening, which is Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida teaming up against Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I love seeing these ladies fight. Uh, it's just, it feels like it's just a slight dynamics change every week and like aren't there other women on the roster and why it's just the same like four or five i guess because this week hikarashita has sort of slotted in instead of um oh god anyone else really athena athena yes yeah so it's like like this match was fine it was good actually um, but I am curious as like what they're doing because it seems like they keep booking the same match over and over again. I know what you're saying, but I almost don't care because I, I really like I really like the way these four work together. Especially these four. Because Sheeta has like a lot of history with Brit too, and like, you know, every time Tony and Jamie go at each other, it's like magic. So yeah. So I totally get what you're saying, like narratively, but I just I think it's always a really good time. And it was nice to see Ishida get a win. 
Yes. Yes, that's true. And she's getting a title shot next week off of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was glad to see Sheeta back. I just, I'm like, this match, like a variation of this match seems to happen every week. And like, where are we going from here? Like, what is, what is the plan? Because it just seems, it just seems like the same sort of subset of ladies keep fighting. But again, good match. So, (laughs) so it's hard to complain. Um, But from there, we go to the main event, and it is Pac versus Orange Cassidy, and Pac's AEW All-Atlantic Championship title is on the line. Um, Pac and Orange Cassidy have faced each other before. I believe Pac always wins, but this time, in what I consider to be somewhat of a surprise, Orange Cassidy wins, and he is the new All-Atlantic Champion. I was also surprised by it. I mean, like, like, Pac has been doing some stuff with, uh, with the title, and I'm just, I'm kind of wondering what Orange Cassidy's gonna do with it, because I don't envision him traveling to Europe to defend it the way he's he's been doing. He's gonna go defend it wherever. Okay. God damn it. Yeah, I feel like this isn't in the spirit of what this title is supposed to represent. So this is this is the third singles match between uh, Pack and Orange Cassidy. The first, of course, as mentioned earlier, being at Revolution 2020. Pack won that one. Then uh, September 21st at uh, Dynamite Grand Slam. That's the match Pack won with the. Uh, I think I think that was the first time he used the hammer. That would make sense. Okay. And then uh, last night, and so Orange Cassidy finally got the win. Yeah, and Pac, I will say, did attempt to use the hammer repeatedly. I guess that's his his new thing that he's doing, but uh, Bryce Remsberg, the referee, kept catching him and stepping in to stop it. Yeah, um, I thought this match was really good. I did still, I think I still like Jungle Boy Luchasaurus better, but this was obviously like, this is, you know, this is a big thing for for uh, Orange. Uh, like, I would say, I mean, for sure. Like, I mean, unless you want to count Mimosa Mayhem, I would, I would say mm-hmm. this was this is the biggest one of his career. Um, yeah, the stats uh, surprised me honestly that he's been in AEW this long and this is his first belt. Like, for the amount of airtime Orange Cassidy gets, the fact that this is his first title is kind of surprising you know well i think it's kind of the thing right like it's almost like does he, does orange cassidy even need a title no <laughs> jenny feels very strongly that he does not um but you know we'll see what they do with it um i was happy for him it was it was it was a nice way to end the show and i did i did kind of see this coming once they did the roh world title match as the nine o'clock match because I thought like I thought like if you're gonna go with two heel wins, you would probably put the ROH World Title match with you know Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson in it as the main event. But if you want to send the crowd home happy after Jericho beats Danielson, which as it turned out they were okay with, because because <laughs> they were like, "Yay, Canadian guy," which of course they were. Um, yeah, Orange Cassidy going over in the main event then made sense. 
I, yeah. I have not, re- like, mastered the wrestle math to that level. Uh, <laughs> I genuinely didn't. I didn't think Orange Cassidy would win. Just because, like you said, does Orange Cassidy need a title? Uh, right. I feel like maybe not. He's doing fine without one, but now he has. Now he's got a belt. Yeah. And after the show, uh, well, you know what? I'll save I'll save this because uh, Lucas and Amanda can tell us about this, um, about what happened after the the cameras went off. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, Orange Cassidy, your new All Atlantic champion. Nice way to end the show. They had orange confetti. They did, and and the best friends they came out, and we got the like three way best friend hug where the camera pulled back while the confetti was shooting out. Yeah. All to do. And we should mention that um, the reason that Orange Cassidy won is because Danhausen successfully cursed Pack. <laughs> yes, that's true. Danhausen was hiding at the timekeeper's table, and when Pack came for the hammer. I think the final time Danhausen was revealed himself and then did the curse. Yeah. Pack also took um the two best and identical uh DDT bumps I've ever seen in my life. Where he like basically turned into a slinky. Oh yeah. That's how he bumped for them. <laughs> Pack is very flexible for such a stout yeah. little man like yes he's incredible but uh but hey you know this is like this is one of those like long-running aew feuds that they can always just keep going back to and adding another chapter for sure because i i'm wondering like what what's next for pack will he be mad about this to the point where he chases it or will he and death triangle just kind of go do their trios thing somewhere else and I think they're going to do their trios thing for a while, and you can always come back to this, like when they're no longer trios champions. But I think I think they should probably like try to get that division going again. Yeah, that would probably be good. I like it's a nice it's a nice thought to have somebody be a double champion. Like it's a cool thing, but it does kind of.